Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Jordan Royburn, founder and editor of The Daily Gold. Now, Jordan, it's been a few weeks since we last had you on the show, and really it comes down to, again, looking at the precious metals. Everyone has their own narrative, and right now we just came back from the conferences in Vancouver, and the narrative around some of those conferences back to almost end of government or change of government type narratives. But look, there are many more things for us to talk about here, and a lot of comparisons to history that we hear from all analysts, whether they're economic analysts or not, what are you doing to filter through, undoubtedly, all this noise that we get in all sectors and all markets to try to give you a clear picture of what truly is going to drive the precious metals? Well, I think as as far as what's driving the precious metals or what does in general, we we really have to step back and understand, okay, the, you know, number one biggest moves in precious metals were after the three points after the S&P or U.S. stocks fell into secular bear markets. So after 1929, after the very end of the 1960s, after 1999-2000, that's when the huge moves, you know, huge secular bull markets began in precious metals. And so that has not happened yet. Uh, Gold has been unable to really break away or break out. It's now we're in the 13th year since that happened. You look at the you look at the price of silver and uh, any gold stock index. I mean, it, it's apparent that they've been in a secular bear market since 2011. And you know, I I keep coming back to this point where gold technically is set up very very well, has this super bullish base, super bullish cup and handle. It's been getting really close to breaking out. It's trying to break out. You know, it hasn't quite been able to break out, and that's because you still have a secular bull in the stock market. And so there's not enough capital that's going into gold. You know, you need this new flood of capital to go into gold. And eventually when that happens, you know, it goes into silver as well and so on and so forth. But, um, so that, that's really the big, the big picture that I think people fail to recognize or just completely ignore. Now, the one difference is the, uh, mid to late 1960s. And if you use gold stocks as a proxy, I mean, they did, extremely well from 1964 to 1968 and that's actually when i was looking at it the other day and that's actually when the bond market really started to crack so the bond market cracked and i want to say 1965 and that eventually led to the stock market cracking so if if we're going to have a resumption in inflation this year that's that's one thing to look at will be the 10-year yield uh the the 10-year yield and long-term interest rates rising that killed or that led to the secular bear in, uh, I want to say from 1906 to 1921, it also led to the secular bear, as I just said, from you know 1968 to 1982. And it's going to lead to the coming secular bear. But the question is, you know, is that going to be in four months or four years or, you know, one a, or 18 months? Nobody knows at this point. And, you know, it doesn't really g- give people value for me to hazard a guess at this point. But that that's really the the big picture that we're in is we're, we're the the s p now you know last week it made another new all-time high so since covid or i should say since the gold price peaked in august of 2020 basically the whole sector peaked then more or less after that after that peak happened it was a week or two later the s p made a new all-time high and it kept climbing of course you know it peaked at the end of 21. 
Then you had this 27% decline. That wasn't enough to push gold into a new secular bear market, which you know surprises me. The market has recovered, and again, last week it made another new all-time high, and gold is still struggling to break out. And you know, precious metals are we're, we're seeing some selling. They're starting to weaken some more here immediately after the stock market made a new all-time high. Because when a market makes new all-time highs and sustains it, that attracts a lot of new capital. So very big picture, that's where we are. And so for me, that's really the question is at what point is this secular bull in the stock market? When is that going to end? Now, I mean, there is a scenario where, you know, perhaps you get a mini melt up and uh, you, 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 you get the stock market rising and there's some concern about inflation expectations and, you know, inflation's picking up and the Fed really isn't doing anything. Maybe in that scenario, you could see gold get to 2300 or 2350. And looking back, the stock market, actually, the S&P made a new high, I think, at the end of 1980 or early 81, even though the secular bull did not begin until a year later. So how gold is looking technically, there's a lot of similarities to how the stock market looked in the uh, early 80s before it eventually broke out for good when it began its secular bear market. And, and you know, there was enough, you know, you had the bottom in the bond market. I think after that, you know, commodities really sold off. So to get this huge move in gold and silver and precious metals as a whole, you have to have a secular change where the stock market puts in a peak. You know, you have a recession in a bear market. It falls below its 40 month moving average, which is my indicator. And that will signal a major changing of the guard. Now, again, that doesn't mean that, you, you know, precious metals can't they can't pop at some point this year, but you're not getting these huge moves in this sector until the stock market is done with its secular bull. So all analysis on gold and silver, like that has to be the, I don't know, fulcrum is the right word. I mean, that has to be the overarching point. Like you're not, you're not getting this again. I mean, I think I've said it four or five times as I keep repeating myself, you're not getting this massive move until the stock market cracks and the economy cracks. And I think it will, I mean, it will happen at some point. I don't think it's three or four years away, but it's still ongoing at this point that we're, we're still waiting for that. Well, Jordan, I want to dive into the nuances around this point you're making. And you've made that point very consistently on our show for a long time now that we need to see a corrective move in the general stock markets for there to be a rotation of money into the precious metals, and that historically, on different analogs, that's exactly what we've seen play out in the big moves in the precious metal sector, in real terms, not just in nominal terms. But we've had so many generalists on our show that are not just constructive, but flat out bullish on the general markets. They're bullish on the S&P, they're bullish on the Dow, they're bullish on the NASDAQ, they think the market breadth's improving there, and they think that the moves we saw at the end of 2023, and even here in 2024, just show that there's going to be strength in the general equities for a long time. Now, you made the point in that last answer there that you still could see a rally in precious metals alongside of it. But you've also made the point off, Mike, that we're kind of in a new cycle here. Is there any potential that the precious metal sector actually could just rally along with general equities? And if the general equities keep rallying for one or two or three years, what does that mean for the precious metal sector right now? Well, if general equities keep rallying for two or three years, that would not be good for the precious metal sector. I mean, that, that would be pretty bad for the next couple of years. You, you would get a lot of 
companies just failing and, and going out of business and things like that. I, yeah, I, I do think, again, if you get some kind of resumption in inflation expectations and the Fed doesn't want to hike because they're concerned about the economy at the same time and then people are thinking about inflation and you know they're still buying or they they have been buying equities and and so they're they're more concerned about inflation then you can see some money trickle into hard assets and into gold i mean that's that's one scenario but if if you see this secular bull market and the S&P continuing for 2 to 3 years that that is not a good thing for precious metals like that that's a really bad thing there's there's no way precious metals will perform in that kind of scenario but you know, in regards to the generalists being bullish, I mean, they should be because, you know, a lot of the breadth indicators they look at or they're, you know, they're data mining and they're looking at history. And when this usually happens, it means the market, the market will continue higher. I mean, that's fair. It's hard to argue with that, you know, over the first half of this year. But, you know, I, I think the economy and the Fed, they're not quite between a rock and a hard place yet. And again, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on the economy. That's not where my expertise is. But, I think one concern is, you know, long-term inflation expectations have really not moved despite this significant Fed hiking cycle. I mean, you still have, I think the inflation statistics are still 3% or above 3%. And so if the Fed is going to cut rates, I mean, that obviously would not be good. I, I, what I'm getting at is I, I think there's a, there's a risk of stagflation. I mean, because you can't you can't have a soft landing and you can't start cutting rates when inflation is still at three percent and long term inflation expectations have not moved at all. And at the same time, you have I'm just going to pull up the 10 year bond yield. Yeah, you know, I was doing some work on this. And if you look at the 1960s, five percent tends to be like historically, that is a real significant level for the 10 year yield. If you go back and look at what happened in the mid 1960s. Basically, once the 10-year yield went above 5%, you know, at that point, the uh, the gains in the stock market, like they, they really, really slow. I think that was 1965. Basically, the, the peak from 65 or 66 to 68, I mean, it was only a 15% higher. So basically, once the 10-year yield went above 5%, things really, really slowed down for the equity market. And eventually, once it hit... Six percent in late '68. I think that was basically the end of it. So, the bottom towards the end of last year coincided with the ten-year yield peaking right at about five percent. I think it was four point nine eight in closing terms. You know, now you've had the the ten-year yield is bottom, but it's turning up now. Closed. I think it's at four eighteen now, four point one eight percent. So that's something to watch. I mean, yes, the market can continue to do well. But at some point, if, you know, if inflation expectations are going up in the, you know, the 10 year yield is getting up to 5% again, and it breaks 5%, that's really going to hurt the stock market. And that's also something that Jim Bianco has talked about, who's, he's a bond guy and he's been dead on the last couple of years, as far as, you know, the Fed's going to hike a lot, inflation's going to be a problem for a long time. And he hasn't been a perma bear, but I noticed that he's saying this year that, yeah, you could have this scenario where, you know, there's no recession, but inflation starts ticking up again. Your bond yields are going higher. You know, then a lot of you know a lot of money is going to go into bonds because you get that return. I mean, eventually, bond yields and high interest rates they always break the market. 
So I'm not disputing what the generalists are saying. I think, you know, I can't disagree with them over the next three to six months. But, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think we're, we have this. I don't think the economy and stock market has this path where it can run for another two to three years. Definitely over the next three to six months, maybe a little bit beyond that. But I, I don't see there being a, you know, a path over the next two or three years, given that, um, you know, as the market moves higher and if that continues, you're going to see inflation expectations start to ratchet up again. And and by the way, you know, China, I'm reading that they're they're going to do some massive stimulus for their market and economy. I mean, their market has been a disaster for decades. Um, and so given where we are, you know, in, inflation above 3%, the 10-year yields close to 4.20%. And this has all happened with commodity prices basically not moving at all. So if, if we get a little bump up the next couple quarters and, and you get, uh, you know, China's really starting to recover and, you know, they're stimulating their economy, you get commodity prices going up, that's going to be a major problem for inflation. Like you're going to see it at 4%, you know, 4.5%. And what does the Fed do at that point? Like th- then you're hitting stagflation at that point. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem in the next quarter. But, you know, three or four quarters from now, that could be a problem. So I, I don't mean to, to get away from the original question, but I think the generalists, I definitely agree with the generalists over the next couple of quarters. But, you know, I, I don't think there's like a smooth path here for the economy and market over the next couple of years. In all fairness, a lot of those generalists also say they do like that setup in gold, too. We've had a number of people say gold and general markets easily could move to all time highs together. What about the underlying stocks, though, Jordan, if you do see that outcome where gold takes off because of a divergence from the markets and the markets move down? Is that what pulls the stocks higher? I know you've thought that gold needs to pull the stocks higher anyway, but sometimes those gold stocks, they definitely can move with markets as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think it, it, it'll pull producers higher, like the, the healthiest producers. That type of scenario, like, yeah, maybe you could get a move to 23 or 2400. There's no way you're going to see gold going above 2400 with the stock market at all time highs, you know, unless you get some kind of change where the, the, the S&P is really slowing down and you, know, you have this inflation expectations become a major problem. Then in that kind of mid 1960s scenario, if gold is really outperforming the stock market, then maybe you could see gold go above, you know, 23, 2400. But ultimately that, I mean, that's not a lot to count on because again, I think it only helps producers, you know, the healthy producers. I mean, I I don't think that's going to help development companies who need to raise significant amounts of money to construct their mines. And look, if this is because, you know, we're getting a bump up in inflation and inflation expectations, you're still going to have cost pressures for all these projects. So that's that's not helping mining margins that much. Like that that's not something that could that's really going to improve the situation for the entire sector and the entire industry. Like that's that's not going to pull, you know, pull all this money into, you know, developers that have to raise significant amounts of money or junior explorers. I mean, they the vast majority of those we need this secular change for the vast majority of the sector uh, to really perform and get out of this funk. 
Well, Jordan, just in light of that point you just made, you have said on the show a number of times that you really like the growth-oriented producers in gold and silver that also have strong exploration upside. We were jokingly calling that the holy grail. If they have both, if they can grow production and grow, grow exploration with those revenues, is that how you're still looking at the best opportunity for positioning when the whole sector is down for when it does turn? Or do you think some of those developers and explorers could eventually get a lift just because they're so beaten down technically. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at, I think I was noticing last weekend that seven of my top eight companies are basically junior producers. Well, I mean, some have a little bit higher market caps than typical juniors. But yeah, it's really tough with you know developers that are not close to construction, exploration companies that you know, if they have ounces or a good amount of ounces, I mean, all those things are basically, they've basically been relegated to being optionality plays at this point. And it's really tough because you have to get the timing really right. And in the last couple of years, when it looked like gold was really close to breaking out, you know, I bought the, you know, multiple times I bought things like that, but it just, you know, it didn't work out because gold hasn't broken out yet. So that's the real difficulty is you, with those, you have to get your timing just really precise. Because at this point, it's not clear, is gold going to break out in the next two or three months or you know, sometime in the next two or three years? Is it going to be eight months or 11 months or seven? Like, I don't know at this point, and nobody else does either. It's a really tough call. And so for those types of companies, it's a really tough situation. You're basically, I mean, you're gambling on drill holes, basically. Who can make this game-changing discovery and, you know, who, who could be a great bear? Who could be another snow line? If you're in an explorer, like that's really what you're looking for because it, it 100% comes down to the project until you get into a real bull market for gold. And with developers that are where it's going to cost significant amounts of money to construct those projects and the margins are really not that great. Those are just, I mean, those are completely a lost cause until gold goes into a bull market. You know, and there and there's some. I, I think there's. I am looking a bit here and there at some of those optionality plays, just because the valuation, as far as ounces in the ground, or you look at the market caps. I mean, they are really blown out and depressed. It is a really good opportunity, but it comes back to how my timing has to be really, really precise, and it has not worked out in the last couple years. But yeah, I, I favor junior producers because the good ones, they're making money. If they're growing production, you know, I mean, if they have a, a plan and a way to grow production in the next couple of years, they're still adding a lot of value, even at 1,900 or 2,000 gold. So I, I think, you know, junior producers are, I don't want to say safe, but they're a, a good, or they, they should be a good part of your junior portfolio at this point because, I mean, they're not going to kill you. I mean, if it takes a year or 18 months for gold to break out, but at the same time, if gold starts to turn, it gets above 2100, those that are producing, those are the ones that are going to be bought first. So I, I think, you know, silver to, a, you know, a, a lesser degree and a lot of the optionality plays, it's, you know, you, you could be, you can be patient on those. You know, it, it's definitely time to be taking a look and, and seeing where the best value is. But again, you have to understand your timing has to be precise. And, you know, who knows? You might have to wait another 12 or 18 months. Uh, it's been the biggest problem, right, is that it hasn't been a bull market, so then timing is even more important. 
But to your point, companies that have mines built that are cash flowing are leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of these other companies that are still looking either for a deposit or a way to finance a build too, because it's been a tough environment in that sense. Jordan, thank you very much for your time. We'll chat again in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? We might focus back a bit more on the charts, but there just hasn't really been much on the charts to talk about. Jordan, thank you. We'll chat again soon. Have a great rest of your week.